Hello, welcome to the Harvard Alumni for Education podcast. Uh, and we're here interviewing our speakers for our Each One Teach One event uh, to celebrate commencement and uh, to connect alumni with graduating students. So today we um, have um, James Donald. Um, we have four speakers for you right now, and we might have some more later. Um, telling a little bit about who they are, what they do, and um, how they're connected. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll go first. I'm James Donald. Lovely being here, and thanks for listening to us. I'm from uh, South Africa. I'm a Kennedy School graduate, and I work for something called the Tomorrow Trust that's helping with student success for orphaned and vulnerable children in South Africa. Thank you. Hi. Um, yes, thank you for this opportunity. I'm Claudia Bach, and... Uh, I'm a member of the uh, Hugsey uh, Alumni Council, uh, so I, I, I'm active there and have been active with this group on and off, I guess, in the, in the past. I'm a former superintendent of schools, so my specialty area is K-12 through education. Pass this along. Um, hi, and again, thank you so much for having us. Uh, my name is Alejandra, and I am a rising junior at Harvard College. I'm originally from Morristown, New Jersey. Um, but before that, I've actually moved around um, and lived in three different states and attended several different schools and gotten to see the way different school systems work within the U.S. Um, and coming from a first-generation low-income background, um, I am proud to be the, the newly elected uh, first-generation student president um, of the group on campus known as Primus. So I'm coming and bringing that experience with us in this group. Um, thank you. Um, my name is Huyang, and I uh, am from China. I graduated from Harvard Graduate School of Education last year. Um, I have done some teaching positions back in China and also in the U.S. I'm currently a research assistant working at Harvard Lab for Developmental Studies. I'm pretty interested in children's cognitive and uh, language development at a very young early childhood. Um, I would be very happy to share some experience um, of studying and working here as an international student. Wonderful. It's very exciting. Well, thank you so much for introducing yourselves. And um, as we are Harvard Alumni for Education, a lot of educators do tune in to these podcasts. And right before we started um, a recording, we were speaking with Alejandra and asking her a little bit uh, to share about um, her background, but also what she sees as some of the challenges or opportunities for first-gen students at places like Harvard. Um, that's a great question. But I think one thing that's really important to clarify is being first-generation is something that means something very similar across any student um, who represents that, but I think at Harvard it means a very different label in the same way that uh, low income means something very different here at a university like Harvard that represents some of the most elite families in the whole U.S. So being first generation in its most basic form essentially means that you're the first in your family to attend college in the U.S. So for me, uh, my mother immigrated from Mexico and she is undocumented. Um, and I did not grow up with my father, but he um, immigrated from Cuba. So I'm the first generation of my family to be here in the U.S., but I'm also the first person in my family to ever graduate from high school or go to college. So I, in, in general, I'm the first in my family to ever go to Harvard. 
So that's um, something I'm, I'm really proud to be here. But uh, what I found in my um, two years now at the college is that that label means something very different within the student body and that some people don't feel comfortable saying that they're first generation. It's not a label they accept because sometimes their family went to college outside of the U.S. Sometimes their family went to community college. Um, that's not necessarily a four-year college. Um, some families did go and have that four-year experience um, at a college level, but maybe not necessarily an Ivy League like Harvard. So that's uh, the reason why uh, our group is known as Primus, which essentially means a first, so we're a community of firsts. So it's to be more inclusive of everybody of every identity without taking away from the fact that there are first-generation students. There's some first-gen students whose families have done really well, very well for themselves, and some who, like myself, I've gone to two homeless shelters and moved around many times in my life. So there's something for everyone um, here, but I think the first-gen community is very special at Harvard. Um, that's proven to be home away from home. I would like to ask you about um, your experience as an international student and what is what are some you know perhaps suggestions or um, things that helped you um, acclimate and get used to being here at Harvard and in the United States yeah thank you this is a very good question yeah as an international student there might be some challenges that you need to encounter such as language cultural environment and also different school systems uh, but I, I feel very happy because Harvard Graduate School of Education gave me a lot of support that helped me navigate the whole process and now I feel that I am a successful survivor. Um, yeah, and yeah, I feel in terms of suggestions, um, mm -hmm. the first and foremost suggestion is that never like close yourself, never um, like dis engage yourself with the community around you. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, all the students are pretty nice, excellent, as well as the faculty working here. And there are also some mental counseling services like Let's Talk mm -hmm. at Gottman Library and also like at Smith Center, if you have any mental problems or you feel that yeah. you, you you are like depressed with a study or pressure and you can just come and ask uh, what they can help you. And I feel the second suggestion is that like identify who you are and find your identity. Mm. When I firstly came Harvard, I felt very um um, not I feel not so confident with myself because I feel oh my language is not so good I mean my English speaking skills and I didn't know like how to engage with like people who grow up in the US um, but finally I, I realized when I share my own cultural experience back in China mm -hmm. like social problems or like like culture uh, beautiful history of our country I feel very proud of myself and proud of my identity I feel that is a way that every international student need to go through and find your final self. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Nice. Yeah. That's really well said. Yeah, very nice. And, you know, I'm going to segue actually to you, James, um, because you work with really gifted young people who you would like to see one day go to college. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, just listening to you speak as well, you talk about your identity. The, the thing that I think um, all the research shows, right? I mean, all of you and the listeners know better than me what the research says about what the real point of education is, right? That it's about finding your identity and meaning and, and purpose in your life. 
<clears throat> and if you're able to do that, you're more likely to have grits and academic persistence and all those things. Um, so that's partly why I'm here today and, and spending two weeks in the US. I think there's been a real understanding in the US in particular in the last 20 years, but especially the last four or five years, I guess, how important things like identity and feeling like you belong are in mm -hmm. academic performance, right? um, alongside you know, pedagogy and, and having a chance to take risks and, and things like that. Um, so in South Africa, we, we have um, the program that I work with, Tomorrow Trust, tries to support uh, holistic education for young people. So talking about the kind of experiences you were talking about with your family, Alejandro, the, the um, programs that focus purely on either financial support or only perhaps psychosocial support. There are very few that do it comprehensively. And, and I think um, the founder of our organization's thoughts were, if young people are gonna succeed that are coming from difficult backgrounds, they're gonna need comprehensive support right from the very beginning. Um, so our program assumes that um, you'll need to see a psychologist once a month, that you'll have to do personal development courses, um, but also that you'll commit to participating in the program fully. So you'll do community service with the younger children, you'll participate, you'll engage. Um, and that works. I mean, we have from arranging from medical students to accounting students to engineers, um, and our dropout rate is, is lower than 3%. Mm -hmm. um, and these are young people, when they apply to us, they have to be in the university and they have to convince us that they know what they want to study. They don't necessarily have to be passing. So we don't look for academic performance as an indicator of talent. We try to look for people that have found a story and, and have a, a real drive. Um, mm -hmm. And we find if you give people the support, they'll succeed. You know, The reverse of that is that it seems to me that in most cases, poverty nullifies talent, right? You'll see really talented kids at every age, and they just don't show up further down the line in work or in university or in graduate schools. Um, so I think places like Harvard have a lot more to do, I think, to to diversify the range of, of young people here. And just the last thing I'll say, Tomorrow Trust's vision is we want a South Africa that has conscious leaders that come from all different backgrounds. So we want the leaders of our country to be from the kinds of backgrounds we're talking about here, because it'll make them more conscious, more empathetic, more effective. We don't want them to be the children of you know, those who were privileged in the past. Um, work. Yeah, so kind of as we're continuing this conversation, Claudia, I'm interested to hear about your perspective, having been a superintendent and having worked a lot um, in education in the U.S., like, you know, how, how do you create a culture at a school or, um, you know, how, how did you support your students as a superintendent? Yeah, uh, yeah to me, that, that is the, uh, among the most important work you can do as a superintendent. To back up a bit, I was in the second cohort of the Urban Superintendents Program. And so I was recruited directly into a, a program that was designed for women and for people of color to give them the leadership uh, opportunities to take on the, the highest leadership positions, superintendents and so forth, within the public schools. Uh, my first superintendency was in a very small rural um, community in Oregon where 40% of the students were migrant students. And, um, and it was a new phenomenon for that particular community because um, they were basically supporting the apple industry, 
And it used to be that migrant uh, workers came in during the summer and then went back to their countries. As the industry became more technology-wise and sophisticated, they needed a workforce. And so the migrant workers stayed on, much to the chagrin of the local school system, which was all Caucasian. And so it, it was my first, you know, having been in a program that very much supported people of color, uh, it was my first real opportunity to, to, to begin to work with and understand how to, how to make a difference in a community that was actively, actively encouraging Latino students to drop out and to, um, and, and to leave the system so that the rest of the system could be as it used to be traditionally. And, and so there were real challenges there. And I, I, actually, I'll talk about this briefly tonight. I, I ended up firing a principal who I realized was actively pursuing that course. And, um, and it, throughout, I think, my super, even in, in more uh, white communities, um, it, there always are issues of diversity that are enormously important. And I work now with a very small little independent school, again, 40% of which is um, diverse. And, and so I think part of my goal throughout my life has been to promote um, those opportunities, both for students and to recruit as much as I possibly could um, a diverse faculty to meet the needs of the student population. So that's been some of my work. Great. Thank you so much. You know, we really want to take this moment to thank all of our partners um, really coming together with us. Um, and that would be um, first-generation Harvard alumni, um, as well as HUGSI Office of Development and Alumni Relations, Harvard Business School, um, and Aussie. So thank you so much for um, all your contributions, your support in bringing together this great program today. Each one, teach one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pause it. Yeah. <laughs> I, 